coming at you live from Rabbit. This is what what do we call this? The Rabbit Trails Podcast. Headquarters. Uh, headquarters. headquarters. Rabbit Trails Podcast headquarters on the on my balcony. Yeah. It is the, pala- <laughs> the palatial. Oh, expansive. You know what? You're gonna get to hear it's it's rush hour. People are coming out. We're recording this at uh, five o'clock in the afternoon here. It's dark though. And uh, it is dark. Uh, Very dark north. around four o'clock. Welcome to the frozen tundra. When does uh, when do the northern lights come out? When does the Aurora Borealis come out? Eh, you know, if we get we don't, we don't always get to see it every year, but if it does, it'd be uh, sometime around uh, December, yeah. January. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah, but you know, we get so much cloud cover, it's hard to hard to get to see them all the time. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Anyway, but yeah, you're going to get to hear cars outside. So uh, for those of you who hear those, uh, just imagine me in New York in the mix of things with just life is happening instead of hiding out on my back balcony while my children scream in the other room. In Uppsala. In Uppsala. (laughs) Uppsala. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Well, okay. So Garrick, how you doing, man? Doing good. I'm doing quite good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, enjoying the... uh, Enjoying the Spanish lockdown. Yeah, it's a it's a or lighter, semi semi lockdown. Semi, it's a lighter lockdown right now. So okay. kids are in school, work's going on, stores are open, restaurants are open. Uh, there's a curfew in place, but generally, and, and yeah, so you guys have to, to stop. As much. You, yeah, you guys have to stop going out at what time? <laughs> I think it's eleven. Mm. In Madrid, it's midnight. So for Spain, it's it's that's kind of super early. early. It's super early. That's like lunch. That's like dinner time. Like that's when people are usually going to go have dinner. Yeah. Okay. So for the, for the folks at home, Garrick and I always have a hard time scheduling this thing because um, I'll be like, Hey, when can you do it? And he's like, I don't know, early afternoon. And I'm like, Hey, that's great. And then we'll start actually comparing what time early afternoon means. Yeah. And I'm actually starting to think about dinner and he's having just eaten lunch. So yeah, I eat lunch at usually at three, two thirty or three. <laughs> we have pretty, we have pretty different definitions of yeah. what, uh, what early afternoon or early morning. Well, early morning is still early morning. Uh, but, uh, doesn't always work for me. So anyway, yeah. so the fact that it is a it is a miracle in and of itself that Rabbit's Trail podcast can be scheduled yeah. into our hectic busy I'm skipping, schedules. I'm skipping the nap uh, siesta this 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 day. So do you, do you take a nap every day? Sometimes not every day. No 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 no, no, no. not every. It's not with the way with. But uh, I, sometimes I do. It depends on the season of because if you get up like at seven and you go to bed at one, a nap is 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 kind of a nice thing and there's space for it. It's, it's rather a, it's, a, it's rather brilliant to be honest. It's, it's not it's not bad. There's not, it's not a bad life. And there's there's a there's there's usually a good it's usually a good conversation with the dads at the park when you take your kids to the park. All the dads kind of stand around, and one thing we talk about is naps and like ideal uh, positioning time when you get the sun. <laughs> like all it's there's a good there's a good you know, it's a good conversation is it is piece. it something we can make a, a podcast a podcast out of we could, we could we, we might be able i don't know if it would be a very long one uh <laughs> podcast but i mean but naps i mean that, that, i think people kind of you know poo-poo on on spain are you guys taking naps and uh you know it's it's just because it's a, it's a it's a culture that doesn't get a lot of sleep at night you know there's a lot of staying up late and you still get up you know relatively not as early as maybe other countries but you still get up earlier and then, you know, you've got this big gap in the day for lunch uh, when, when everything kind of stops. The family gets together, you know, t- technically, historically. Spread tradition. COVID around. Spread COVID around. But everyone, <laughs> you know, from two to five, that's family time. 
So even I think that like national news is on. It's just a different. It's kind of an inverted huh. schedule, and so you, you're so you you, you it would be natural to have a little twenty minute nap and during that time, and then get up and go you, at five. You go back to work, uh, you know. So even like meetings that we have here with Agape Spain, you know, if it's a if we're traveling to a hotel for meetings, you get up, you have breakfast at eight. By nine nine thirty, you started a meeting which will go till two. Then you have a three hour lunch break lunch. And, and usually you hang, you hang out with everybody. And so then you might go and take a little rest. You come back at five and then you work from five to eight meetings. And then you would have dinner like at eight yeah. 30. So you might take a walk. Usually eight o'clock you take a walk with everybody. Eight thirty nine, you're having dinner and then you do social stuff starting at 10 or 11. Oh. So, so your workday, especially if you're in kind of a typical business or what we would call, you know, organizational workday in a, in a big meetings, it's pretty much from eight till midnight. So it's, it's, it's exhausting. So getting that nap in can be yeah, really, that's, that's, that's important. Cause, um, I went to bed at nine 30 last night. Wow. <laughs> it was glorious. I hadn't, I hadn't had dinner yet. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, when we traveled to Spain and Portugal, before kids, we kept more of a Mediterranean schedule. But once yeah, we had kids, yeah. we we more adapted. And we still eat late for, for sweets. But uh, but anyway, so occasionally, about once a week, I'll, we'll find our way into bed about 9.30 and, and uh, get, a, get a long night of sleep. Get a long night of sleep. So, um, anywho. Well, dude... Um, Speak, that, that's a good transition into uh, into our we little didn't mean uh, that. We topic. Didn't mean that, no, nope, that was not the setup, is. but bump set spike. Um, or let's see if we can nail the spike or the dismount. Um, here, so here's here's the topic for today: cultural acquisition. So part of being a missionary, and I would argue just being a communicator of the gospel. So in communication, mm-hmm. one has point, to yeah. consider um, the the culture or the context of one. Uh, that one is trying to communicate with. So we thought cultural acquisition um, is a very important thing. And when you move as a foreigner to a different culture, so you have moved to Spain, I have moved to Sweden before that Central Asia and North Africa, uh, and you were in Estonia before um, Spain, but those are basically the same places. Um, Very very, very (laughs) similar. Very similar. Uh, you haven't wandered around many uh, old communist bunkers in Spain, have you? No, no. <laughs> uh, things, things you've done in your life. Anywho, uh, acquiring culture in uh. order to, I wouldn't say, well, in order to be able to communicate the gospel, I don't, one can communicate the gospel, but I would say there is a communication that is effective that is helped via acquiring culture. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and also there's an there's a sublayer of communication, which is how you live, um, yeah. which we which in a so in America you would say okay, well as a Christian I live a certain way I I you know have a certain style of life which you know depending on how you want to read it or not but you eat Chick Fil A yeah you eat Chick for instance well I, I meant more you know your your deeper values and, oh okay <laughs> you know you know. And, and certain things, but those, those, those values also, there's something that communicates underneath that in another culture, because you may, there may be certain things that, uh, how you communicate those values may not communicate how you want them to in another culture. So there's also, give, the, give me an example of what you mean. Oh, that, that, I'll put that, you on the spot. Hoping, I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. Um, well, I, I think, I think Jen, 
I think generally we we have signifiers and symbols in our lives, right? And those signifiers, what I mean by signifier, and I'm not using technical terms, I'm just making this up as I go along. Kind of, uh, but a you come to the right podcast. Hey, <laughs> yeah, the right. But you know what I mean. Like you, uh, I had a professor in seminary who would say something like, you know, uh, if you carve a pumpkin and you put it outside your your house, your door, uh, and you you light it up, okay you know, 200, 300 years ago, you may have been communicating that I'm involved in witchcraft. Right. Right. But now we're, we, when we do that, we're saying, this is a fun house. You're welcome here to come and get candy, you know? And so you, that, so those things, the, the actual thing that happens doesn't really have any actual meaning attached to it, 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 it but it's how people interpret it. Right. Um, so, so in the same way that, for instance, if we, if I go into a store and I begin to yell in America, people will take that as by yelling at somebody or talking very loudly and aggressively. Uh, they, they take that as one thing, right? That's I'm, I'm being rude. If I were mm-hmm. to do that in Spain, talk very loudly and aggressively, they would not necessarily see that as being rude. They might see it as Tuesday. It's Tuesday. And that's, that's, <laughs> Oh, you, you, you need help. So let me go help you. If I came in and talked very quietly in Missouri, they may go, Oh, something's up with this guy. This guy is actually angry. So, there's different, so, you know, that doesn't always hold everything. But the thing is, so how you, even how you exist in that culture will communicate something, whether, right. whether you want to or not um, as well, for, for, for good or for bad. Yeah, so, so that's interesting because then, then it comes to mind then if you exist, if you find yourself existing in a multicultural society, yeah. the more multicultural that a place gets, the more one has to be aware of the particular person one is talking to and yeah. what their particular what primary culture might, might be. Or, so are the, are, the, are the rules of engagement understood as much, right? Yeah. So uh, some cultures are cro- uh, close talking cultures. Other cultures are not close talking cultures. Yeah. And it's important to remember, okay, what's, what's going on there? Um, well, a, a key one would be in Spain is, you know, it's a very close culture. There's a lot of touching. So mm-hmm. I've been in situations where I'm having conversations with fellow staff who are females and they're, they're, they're touching me a lot in a way of, you know, touching the knee, touching the shoulder and their husbands are sitting right next to them. Right. 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 So it's, it's not that there's, this is, this is just how you communicate that you care about somebody. Uh, but for someone from an Irish, Scottish, German background and American, that's very uncomfortable. Right. But then to not reciprocate yeah, and- that in, in the adequate way, we're not talking and, about anything that's romantic, right? but just as a friend, as a and, as a concern. You're you're originally Presbyterian, which which therefore <laughs> means that you you're not used to touching whatsoever. I, do y'all even meet in the same room when you get together? <laughs> there's a there's a there's a dude in the U.S. who says uh, I chose Presbyterian because it was the what was it, it was a, it was the best way to ensure that I would never have to hug anybody or something like yeah, that. He's yeah. <laughs> an o- older older white male, so you're Presbyterian. I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's changed in some ways. You know that's that's a, good, that's a that's a good point. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. when you first moved to Spain, did you did anyone tell you these things, or were they things that you had to just pick up? And how did you learn that these were important things? Okay, that's that's a good question. Uh, there are certain things you did pick up. Certain things we were told, but because we weren't doing them right. Yeah. So I do I do remember one point we were on a team with half Americans and half Spanish Mexican people. Uh, and at one point they came to us and said, we need you to hug us when we, when we walk in the door. 
Oh, really? Not, yeah, they said, you're not, when you don't, we understand that you don't mean to do this, but we instinctively feel rejected. when We walk into a house of friends and we are not greeted with a hug. Um, and so that was something we had to learn and realize, okay, it's, and we, so we stole our standards and said, you have, and in this case, girls hug, kiss boys on the cheeks to uh-huh. Spanish, those besos. So it's uh, girls to girl, do, um, do those besos with girls and also with boys. And so it's, that's very common. And, and so if you don't do those things, it, 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 even though people may know, I understand he's American, he's, he, he doesn't mean it that way, but, but it's, it's that the depth of that, 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 that feeling uh, that when people don't have that, they feel like there's a rejection or there's something wrong. Or, so when you, right. when you open up and you start doing those things and people, it changes the dynamic. For people. So, so at that point you're having to really be conscious of that and try to, try to change how you feel about those things and try to be you know, for the sake of those people and for the sake of the gospel, I think. So that's, uh, so I would, you know, what have you, has there been some things like that where you've had oh, to make man. some, some big, big kind yeah, of changes? I mean, you know, so we, oh, big changes. Um, well, yes and no. I think I've, I've probably, I, you know, I mean, like if I were to, if I were to come to Spain, I think I would seem probably standoffish mostly because, Today, Swedes hug a lot, but they're probably much more standoffish and not as affectionate as mm-hmm. and touchy as, as Spanish culture. So I probably adapted to some of that. Um, I was coming from a North African culture, which there's, a, there's an example. Um, mm-hmm. I was coming from Muslim culture, so Central Asia and North Africa, where when one met with, saw a female, you didn't, so in, in North Africa, we did lebes, like the the two kisses if you're with if you're with males, but not with females. Yeah. Um. You you kind of acknowledge them, but you you certainly didn't try to be one on one with them. Um. You know, especially as Americans, there was a policy. You know, we kind of had to say, look, if a if a guy, if you're in groups and a girl is singling out a guy, you try to kind of move in to help him out so he's not alone, sort of thing, and, and vice yeah. versa, girls as well. Yeah. Um, so there's those things. So I think when I first moved to Sweden, which is a very egalitarian, flat equality uh, of the sexes, um, I think it was, I don't want to say it was hard because, but it, but it wasn't something I was fully accustomed to. So I think I probably seemed uh, maybe more standoffish than, than I had originally, or than, you know, I probably wanted to think. Uh, whereas now it's, it's funny because when we get teams, we'll often get teams from the South that, that come yeah, and work yeah. with us. And I think I probably seem maybe a little bit too relaxed or I'll forget. Here's one thing. Like as a Southerner, I grew up uh, opening the doors for my mom and, and other females. And um, you don't do that in Sweden. And now yeah. I forget to do it uh, when other people come. And so like a, you know, a couple will come, and the man will open the door for my wife and I'll walk through, you know, <laughs> just like, so it's things like that where I totally forget. Um, but it's actually, so for that, that's an example of how I think there's several levels of, of culture that we have to consider. There's the culture of um, like, you know, the, the gospel's clear about not cursing someone with our tongue. Right. And so in some cultures you, it's, kind of sport to talk about about people behind their back or or whatever else. And that's clearly, Hey, look, that's not gospel culture. We're called to a different kind of culture. So there's this high level or maybe, maybe foundational level stuff that is who we are in Jesus. And then there's everything else that maybe 
there's probably several levels. Then there's something that's a little bit further from that. And then there's things that, you know, okay, this shouldn't be a big deal. And I need to evaluate that. Yeah. And that, and like that's the, maybe like a, the Irish and drinking. Right. <laughs> so, we just let that go. <laughs> no comment. Um, no comment. <laughs> you know who you are, John. Uh, so anyway, so, so I, I think that, I, I think that that's kind of a, a little bit of my thinking on it mm-hmm, is there's mm-hmm. all these things that are like, Oh, these aren't big, but then, or what are the big things that are important that I need to go? I'm not going to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, no matter what, or how do I enter into that and not, you know, I don't want to go around and someone says, Hey, do you, did you hear what so-and-so says? I'm not going to do that. I'm a Christian. You know, like that's probably maybe a little bit too much, but how do I yeah. artfully not enter into that and graciously not enter into that? And yeah. then there's the parts of like, uh, you know, like how you greet one another and all those things. Um, here, here's an example, a very small cultural thing uh, that I stepped into when I early on um, in Uz, Uz, uh, Uzbekistan when I lived there. Uh, I, had a, I had invited a student over uh, to eat at my house. And so, uh, you know, in, there in Central Asia, people would just invite you over for dinner and they would, you would do these long meals. And I mean, they're just so hospitable and it was crazy. I mean, they would probably a lot of times end up borrowing money and, you know, to be able yeah. to put yeah. on this amazing feast. I mean, we're not talking, Oh, they had a nice dish. I and mean, when it was an amazing feast. And so I told this one student, uh, Hey, I want to cook dinner for you. Why don't you come over? I want to return the favor. Uh, he was from a different part of the country, so he couldn't really host me. So I said, well, why don't you come over? I want to cook you spaghetti and meatballs or spaghetti and, you know, meat sauce. And um, so he came over and I had spent all day making from scratch this spaghetti sauce and everything. And uh, he comes in and I say, hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm so glad you're here. Are you hungry? And he goes, nope, not hungry. Yeah. I was like, not hungry. I was like, but okay, well, it's ready. Do you, do you mind if I eat? Cause I'm hungry. No, 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 that's fine. I just, I just ate. Oh, oh okay. I, did you remember? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I just ate. Oh, okay. And so we go and sit down and put a plate in front of him anyway. And you know, and he ends up eating some. And it wasn't until about a year and a half later, he told me, you know what, Barrett, you, you can't ask people that here because when you do, you're asking people, are you poor? Mm, because yeah. it's a no-win situation for me because a lot of us don't necessarily have money to eat and if I answer yes I'm hungry it's a shame to me because I'm what I'm literally saying is I'm poor and so I have to say no I'm not because you know you don't want to be an imposition and you don't want to come to someone's someone's table which harkens back to um, Proverbs when it says you know, when you sit down at the king's table, don't put a knife to your throat. Don't, don't desire his delicacies. And it's, that's kind of reflecting that culture of embarrassing mm-hmm. yourself by showing that you, you have no control, that you're hungry. And so you have to really control your body. And I just completely miss that because of Western culture. Uh, yeah. And so here I was for several years offending everyone who walked into my house. Um, now they're very gracious about it. Um, yeah. But I had to pick yeah. up on those things. Uh, so I think yeah. those, those, and so those you things. Can- yeah, and early on you can get a, you can get away with that because you you got to learn and people under most people understand that you're a learner and that you don't know this thing. They understand that cultures are different, uh, but the, the key is as as a missionary, you you want to grow and learn and learn and continue to make those, uh, well, to make those adaptations. Really, is yeah. what we're seeing in your in your life and how you treat people and, and understanding um, how because when we talk about culture, we're not you know I think. 
we're not talking about like paintings, right? We're not talking about, I mean, we, we're, that's part of it, but we're talking about something that's very deep down in people. Yeah. So I think for some people it'd be easy to go, well, I, I just don't understand if they're hungry, they, they should just want to eat. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not, that's not how culture functions. Func- it, it, it's in some ways a controlling deep down emotional thing that, that people don't have the ability just to, to, you know, I think in America we're often not as aware of our culture uh, I don't think anyone is aware of their own culture yeah. necessarily. I think it, but, but, it's, it's yeah. very hard to describe the wetness of water. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and, um, I, and I think even in America, we, we have kind of a, because we have such an individualistic culture. Yes. It's very, our, our culture leads us to the opposite of a lot of what other cultures do. A lot of cultures are very collectivist, communal, familial. And so there's a lot of power in that controlling people. Our power that controls us often is that, well, just do whatever you want. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. Do, but that's not, not neither is, is healthy either. And it certainly hurts us. I think sometimes often as American Westerners going into other cultures, because we, we think differently in a lot of ways. And so we have to, it's, it's, it's some sense of trying to reprogram for the sake of the gospel, repro- reprogram how kind of you see the world and think about the world. And that takes, that takes time too. And even, even, and even understand the Bible and what it's saying, because you're yeah. every one of us, even if you're living in, you know, Israel today, and you come from a Jewish background, while you may understand more so certain aspects of the New Testament and the Bible, you're not understanding it fully because culture has changed. It's moved on from those original things, but we're all coming to things with cultural lenses um, that we have to, I don't say work hard to take off, but in some sense to be able to see things anew um, and not just assume certain things were were meant when such and such was said and and uh, to 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 be a learner i think the process of learning language is probably one of the most helpful things in that yeah um there's a ted talk a number of years ago um by some dude who's a he's a savant he's with um with languages and one of the things that he said yeah, I forget what it was but he learned icelandic in like two day, two days or so or two what? weeks or something like that yeah but he for some reason, okay, so he, this is what I mean by a savant though, because he just has a way of, like he picks up on the, the, the subtext of a word. So how a word sounds. So like icky, you know, in the English <laughs> language also carries with it a certain sound to it that makes it sound icky. Like it just like, the, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. even the way it sounds. And so he has this theory of like, you know, colors also bring into mind an or rather words bring into mind an image and bring into mind a, a context and everything else that you're you're communicating um and so i think in a lot of ways language does do that and i would i would argue that a culture ultimately even when there's a rule that you don't understand so you know, we always turn left when we go outside the building, whatever else it might yeah. be. There's a, there's a reason for those things. So this is where, you know, Proverbs says, before you move the ancient boundary marker, um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, ask why it was there. Um, that isn't Proverbs, right? Or am I? Sounds, sounds good. There's a lot of Proverbs. <laughs> I love Proverbs, but I'm, I'm totally butchering what it is. But anyway, um, but the idea that culture has been formed over many, many, many millennia. And a lot of times it's in response to either the joys or the struggles that a people have endured. 
And when you begin to understand those things, you begin to understand the heart of a people. You begin to understand the, like the material that a people are made of, if that, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so like in Spain, the siesta, it's easy to go, wow, they're lazy people. But then, well, there's a reason, and I don't know what the reason is. You may know. But there's a reason that they have the family meal in the middle of the day and then they go back to work. And it's probably a struggle or a joy that helped to create that or possibly the weather. I don't know. Yeah, it might have been the weather. Um, I think there's a, there's some debate. There's some of it is is whether people who uh, needed to get up early and work, but then it gets quite hot for Europe anyway. Um, right. In the middle of the day, and uh, so maybe. But I, I don't know. I need I need it's a little something to do some research there. Don't always know exactly why. Things, yeah, but this, things happen. Regardless, the 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 culture ends up creating that and there is a material of um how we then communicate with people through those things yeah. uh, that so here's here's the question i have jesus learned obedience by becoming a man mm-hmm. this is a little bit of a theological thought experiment did did jesus have to learn culture yeah that's a good question as as he processed like like and then, so I, I think he did because he had to learn language. He didn't come out of the womb knowing language. He had to learn and understand and think through what does that mean? What does that mean? And maybe it came easier for him. I don't know. But he did have to struggle with those. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he, he did have to think through those things. Um, and so I think we kind of end up repeating that. This goes into the whole debate of uh, incarnational ministry or you know, taking on the form of, uh, of another. But I think, I think it's incredibly important uh, to be able to learn a culture. Um, so have you ever, have you ever looked at, uh, there's a book called The Culture Map. Have you ever read that? I have the book on my shelf. I need to read it. So it's a good book. Talks a lot about, of course, shame versus guilt and different things, but also kind of some of the things that you come up against. Are you supposed to be a indirect or a direct culture when it comes to communication? Um, I'm a direct person. I like as direct communication as possible. I lived in an I live in an indirect communication culture, a consensus indirect communication culture. It is. Uh, it's an interesting experiment. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've actually had to really soften the way that I say things uh, in context to be a little bit more or a lot more indirect. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually so something that, especially when one presents. So like the, here, here's an example. A lot of times you think, okay, I got to help someone kind of come to a decision about the gospel or whatever. And so it's like, you know, a lot of times with maybe Americans or some cultures, you can kind of say, hey, this is a decision for you. Is this something you want to decide? You know, Jesus died for your sons. That's not exactly the best approach. And yeah, I can imagine. It's a little bit too forward. And so you kind of have to leave it out there and indirectly imply that this would be good for you to investigate, you know, further. And you kind of have to leave it there. Yeah. Um, So I think, I think that, that's a that's an exact i guess a very specific way that 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 it comes into play there mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think you bringing up i think you know okay the, you know christ and 
learning culture, learning language or languages and learning to live and habit to be in a place uh, that, I mean, obviously we, we have to be a little bit uh, careful about being overly speculative, but I think at the same time, we understand that in some sense, this was uncomfortable for Jesus, but you know, because it's talked about as a self, as an emptying of of, his, of who he was as 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 divine as part of the, the Godhead to become human to become in some sense held in by limitations of in, mm-hmm. you know to some degree. And oh, you gotta be careful that you don't want to cross any trinitarian lines. But uh, but but I, I think what what we see in that, I think what also then becomes true for missionaries. Number one, that's done to communicate well, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we've been saying that, that you know, the, the, the ability for their, for God to have walked among us communicates something powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, it creates this ability to empathize and to understand. So in some sense, we have a God who in a, in a more profound way, if we can surmise this a little, that he understands us because he, he experienced pain and death. Mm-hmm. He, he experienced to some degree, um, Finite, finitude, finitude, is that a word? Finitude. Fini- finitude, yeah. Finitude. I think, I think that that's the word that I use, yeah. but I'm not yeah. sure if it's a word. <laughs> the opposite of infinitude. <laughs> the opposite, there was limitations on, on who he was, but he talked with people, he cried with people, he laughed with people. Um, and so, so I think for us as missionaries, the key is that is a, that roll that around too. It's not just about us communicating the gospel, but it's about us identifying, having empathy with the people because we can do that. I mean, I could go back to Texas and just have a great time talking to people, loving Texas, uh, just, you know, wearing cowboy boots, just, you know, doing all the stuff that makes Texas great. Right. <laughs> but if I really want to be a part of the culture here, I got to love the people and understand them and empathize with them in Spain. And that's harder because it's not my people necessarily. It's not what yeah. I grew up. So, yeah. so, so, so I think that, that, so I think there's another element of that, which in the culture is that really the, the idea to understand and empathize uh, and feel with them in some sense. And that's a hard part. And I think that's a painful part. And it was painful for Jesus as well. There's a lot of joy there, but a lot of pain yeah. and, and challenging challenges as well. So I think just as you thought that just, that got me thinking about those, this kind of, that kind of dual side of things of, of adapting culture it needs more than just understanding, but really maybe if you're really going to, you're starting to feel it. Yeah. I, I would, you know, last, last podcast, we talked about uh, burnout and resiliency and I've, I've kind of been thinking about that this week. Um, I think actually one of the best things that a missionary can do in order to build resiliency is to feel the pain of not knowing the culture. And to understand that this is a process of learning the culture yeah, of, of, yeah. of becoming part of the culture rather than um, a means to an end or a something I got to get through in order to navigate yeah. or uh, whatever else, because that, that actually builds resiliency. So when, when, it, so it takes a lot of reflection. Um, I actually think that absorbing culture or acquiring culture um, actually really takes a lot of reflection. Um, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, when we get new people who come in decoding, right? So yeah. walking around and Paul did that, right? He walked the, yeah. he walked the, uh, the up on, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the, where all the gods were. Yeah. The Acropolis. Yeah. The Acropolis. Yeah. And so he walked through all the gods and, and um, you know, saw the, the unknown God and he was observing things about the culture. I think, I think that we need to do the same. Um, 
And so one of the things that we have people do when they first come through is just go through town and start observing. And then we say, okay, what did you observe? And, you know, we, we have, we tell them, go to the grocery store. How are you observing people pay? How are you observing? What do you think that tells you about those people? What do you think it tells you about the culture? Uh, go filter this through someone else who's a, who's a Swede or whatever else so that people can begin to think through differently. And I, I hate to say it, but a lot of times our biggest breakthroughs don't come until we've found out we've broken an unspoken rule mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that no one could articulate, but it's just kind of assumed that this, this is what you do. Yeah. And, um, and then the biggest breakthroughs can come. So I actually don't think that one can build a, a lot of resiliency until one has come up against that, that painful part of a, acquiring culture. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think, if you're going to be successful in missions, uh, I think you have to go through some, some pain. I, I really do. I, I totally agree with you. I think you've got to, it's, it, it's that liminal experience of just feeling like I do not know who I am anymore. I don't know what's up, what's down. Um, but if you, if you come through that, then you start and really as a learner and as a servant and with a heart of empathy uh, I, th- I think it, it, it begins to open up that reality of, of learning, growing, and then passing through that and going, okay, now, now I'm a little bit more Spanish. I'm a little less, I'm a little less Texan and more in Spanish and maybe, um, a lot more person, a person without a home, a pilgrim. Yeah. Yeah. A third, a third culture pilgrim. Yeah. Cause there's, there's actually, so there's a great book, highly recommend it for anybody. Well, I want to be careful. There's probably sections of it. I don't remember. It may have things in there that maybe language or some sexuality that I don't remember. Cause it was about 10 years ago that I maybe, maybe more, but my wife found it. And it's a, it's a book from a, an American artist author who moves to, uh, I believe it's Brittany in France. And uh, the name of the book is I'll never be French. And then, in, uh-huh. and then uh, in parentheses, no matter how hard I try. Yeah. And his, his point of the book actually is not that he won't become French. He actually ends up becoming very French. Um, but he also recognizes I don't fully fit in here. Um, he, he still is, he still carries his, uh, his accent. He's, seen as a yeah. North American, yeah. but he, but he eventually is accepted into the community. And I, I really think that that is a fantastic, um, I think, let, let's say a um, picture of what it means to, to do, to be missionary. You're not going to, if your goal is to become a hundred percent Spanish, you're never going to get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can become, you can, you can find your way in and become something else. And you can become that pilgrim who everyone recognizes, Hey, you're in this journey with us. Yes. Uh, or I'll, I'll walk along with that journey with you. So, yeah, I, I think totally. I think that's, uh, and, and obviously the closer you can get, you know, the, the better, but you're right. You're never going to become a hundred percent. Uh, but you can get, I think some people, and, and I think it's all right too, if you don't get even close, I think there's some people who are just really good at it. They yeah. just pick up language well and pick up the, the, the whole thing and are able to adapt and they're just, and they're really good, but not everyone's got that ability. And I think that's, I think that for, for people who are maybe listening going, well, I'm just, I'm struggling with that. I'm like, that's okay. Because I think really what we're talking about is heart. Yeah. And, and, and when you come into a culture, 
and people will sense if you if you if you love them and you're you're trying your best to form a part of it and your heart uh and obviously it's something that that, that god's got to do in our lives and jesus has got to do in our lives uh if, if that heart is broken for those people and, and broken for for, for and to become a part of who they are to really identify become part of that culture then i i, I think people sense that i think they they you know well it's a hard thing and 15 I, years i still not always have great days, but well, after 13 in Sweden, I carry a heavy accent. I struggle over my words. There are church meetings where I end up not being able to pronounce uh, the, uh, the words that I need to pronounce. I mean, it's just, you know, or, or even express what I need to express. Yeah. And I switch over to, thankfully I live in a country where I switch over to English and everybody yeah. goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. We understand what you mean. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I try to do it in Swedish and they go, can you say it in English? <laughs> yeah. But, but what I was, what, what I was thinking about, I actually, as you said that, I think we part of God's upside down kingdom. So the way that we think is, or maybe it's the way that I think, um, I want to be careful about that. I, maybe there's people who don't think this way, but I think we, I tend to think if you see a person who acquires cultural easy, so let's say the person who's really good at languages and maybe fits in a lot better than, than I do. So they're blonde hair, blue eyed and, and have no accent and wow, they just seem to understand everything. And I struggle along. Mm-hmm. It is very easy to look at that person and go, God's really pleased with that person. Yeah. And I actually am, I'm not saying that God is not pleased with that person. I, I just, I think of the, the, the person who is engaged in cross-cultural ministry must be careful not to look at that person and say, I'm less than, because I actually think that God looks at the person who continues to struggle and serve and, and be faithful mm-hmm. even though it's not easy. So the person who has a terrible accent and terrible grammar and gets up and in faith preaches a sermon, I think God maybe is more, I don't know, I don't want to say pleased, but honored. I don't know what the right word is, but I think we need to be careful to go, oh, it's the person who's really good at languages who's the good missionary. Well, they may be better at languages, but but because time and again, we, we've seen people here who, I mean, they're they're like, they make mistakes, they, you know, they're, they're not very good at observing culture, but they try and yeah. God just seems to bless their ministry. Yeah. Um, so I think we, we have to be really careful about that. Um, yeah. God's economy yeah, but, is not, is not the way that we have ours set up. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think there are people and you know, I mean, we're just are what I would say, natural born missionaries, like, right? yeah. like in the wires got natural born police, right? Just yeah. people who are good at their job. Mike Schatzman. Mike Schatzman's a natural Joshua. born Joshua, natural born missionaries. And I, you know, I've just known a lot of people who just, they just know what to do and they're able to pick stuff up and language. And, uh, and so, you know, that's, those are, that's great. So, but at the same time, we'd be careful not to compare ourselves uh, because I, because at the same time, guys like Mike and Joe have a deep heart and care for the the culture around them. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's ultimately what allows them to get as, as far as they can, because you can, you can know the language really, really well and pick it up really, really easily. But that doesn't really mean you, you understand. And I, I, I just want to go back. I think once again, I think it's really a hard issue. The more I think about this, you can do all the hard work and you have to, but it's really, because and here's the other thing I, want, I wanted to mention is because at some point it is going to break your heart because you, you are in another culture. There's going to be stuff in the culture and some of it may be bad stuff, stuff that's not, 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 
the way it should be because all of our cultures, American culture, every culture, even Texas culture has stuff in it that is not, um, is not neutral. It, it actually could be bad. It's, it's, it's not necessarily, we, we're not aware of that often, uh, you know, because there are elements of culture that are all positive, there are elements of culture that are neutral, and there are elements of any culture that are, are negative, that are mm-hmm. maybe unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and I, I think God understands that. God maybe gives us a little bit of grace on, on things we're not uh, super aware of. But, but there, I, I think at whatever time you're going to come across a moment where that culture something and it may be a neutral thing it may be a good thing but it's going to conflict and it may be a thing that needs to change someday in that culture because there are even the communities we're living and working in but there's going to be something that comes that's painful and i think really painful where you have to i think we've at least for me where you have to go okay can i keep doing this knowing that this is something that runs against my own culture in a way that that hurts it's painful and i'm not comfortable with it and i'm talking about sin i mean sin may be a part of this but i'm not talking about I'm talking about the way things are done, the way things right. are done, and people are unaware that maybe this is could be a, but it's not it's, it's not going to change, you know. So my question for you is: Have you have you had those experiences? How how do you get through them, and how do you come out on the other side going? It's okay. I still love this culture, these people, even though this really is hard for me, and and I have to work working through it. Yeah, I, I mean, I to be honest. Part of it may be personality. Um, so this might be where my personality butts up against maybe Swedish culture, but I, that indirect versus direct. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, so for example, um, if I've done something like in our uh, apartment association that is against the rules or norms or whatever else, no one will actually. So, so here's an example. Um, you would break rules. What? No. Well. <laughs> I, okay, actually, this this is this this is a very real example. So I am a Texan. Uh, you may take the boy out of Texas. You cannot take the Texan out there. of the boy. Uh, and so I love barbecue, and I have a, an oversized smoker that sits out in our courtyard area, garden area of our. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware of this. I'm it's it's this. a it's a big area, um, but okay. Lots of balconies face the inner part, and people. We don't have air conditioning in Sweden, so people keep their doors o- or windows open. Um, and heck, when I got that thing going for 16, 18 hours on a brisket, yeah. um, that's a lot of smoke pumping through. And I know that there's probably neighbors who don't enjoy it. No one has said anything yet to me, um, but I would say that when it comes to a point that people aren't okay with it, I guarantee you they will not come to me directly. They will either leave a note uh, on a notice board that says to whoever is barbecuing, you know, it's inappropriate or they'll go to the board and complain to the board and the board will then put up a note. They, no one will, no one will come to me directly. Just come and say, say Hey, this is bothering me a little. You yeah. Do yeah. And so that's not, it's not a sin issue and it's not disgusting. So I, I don't want to say that it's a sin issue or, or even mm-hmm. bad. It just is the way that the culture is. Um, but that, to be honest, at my core irritates me. <laughs> And yeah, I, know because, that, I know that some of my Swedish friends listen and I'm sorry, I'm just a lot more direct of a person. Well, well and also I, I just fairly honestly don't see the issue. Why would anyone have a problem well, with brisket yeah. smoke? That's I mean, the to, sin to, issue that is sounds, having a problem with brisket. <laughs> that, that, that just sounds like heaven. I'm, but, uh, yeah. but, I, but I think there's a lot of things like that that can... Um, so sometimes people, instead of saying... Um, 
hey, you're really like, uh, there, there are ways that you, let's say traffic flows on, on trails or whatever. Mm-hmm. And instead of if someone's walking on the side and you want them to walk, you want them to know, hey, this is how we do things. Um, no one will say, hey, you're walking on the wrong side of the road. What they'll say is, you know, in, in Sweden, we do it this way. And so it's really, it's, they're trying to save face. And honestly, this is where I think the whole shame guilt thing is interesting because yeah. yeah. Sweden is technically a guilt, a guilt or um, innocence culture, but there's shame. Cause what they're trying to do with that is they're trying to be indirect by giving you a, a way out of us trying not to assume that, you know, how things are done. Yeah. And, and so try not to shame you. But for me personally, I would rather you just say, Hey, I just don't really like that. You're walking on this. Side yeah. Yeah, because it kind of feels to you condescending a little bit, huh? Or, or just I'm just a lot. I just appreciate directness, um, and because I probably do feel shame if you imply it. Um, So that's that, that, and that's the game that that's played. Um, So there's actually they're trying to they're trying to navigate some of the difficulties of of a particular culture or a particular feeling that gets elicited. But for me, it's just that that's a particularly hard one. And um, yeah. I have, there have been times where I have been a lot more direct and I'm a challenger. So I'll challenge something and I'll do it. And then I'll go, oh man, I just ran rough shot over, over this person. I, I really got to ask for forgiveness and, you know, or, or whatever else. Uh, and so I've just had to learn to uh, take it as it comes. Um, or, or I guess I'm having to learn how to, how do you say, accept that? this is where yeah. I live. This is the way it's, it's not wrong. It's just different. Um, yeah. uh, but and then I think there's things that sometimes are just, um, that are just wrong. So yeah. sometimes there's a, a lack of, um, I would say standing up for, you know, certain things uh, that we should probably speak up louder and that someone should say something or do something uh, mm-hmm. when it's otherwise not done because there's probably a, government agency that does that or whatever else. So, you know, um, those are, I think those are some areas where I've, I've, I've felt it. Um, it's, it's hard. I, I, I think this is, I think this is one of the hardest things that a missionary will ever do. Um, Cause I think we have ways, so that carries into how we communicate the gospel too. Right. Uh, Cause we have, we assume certain ways of uh, communicating the gospel because of the culture we come from. And then we step into a different culture and we try to share it the same way. And it's just like, Whoa, what, what, you know, people are. Yeah. And so in, in the process of learning that it helps us understand what aspect of the gospel is the way in which we need to, is our starting point or our ending point or the message that needs to be highlighted. Yeah. So it's tough well, stuff. It is tough. And, and then you're, you know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, you're trying to communicate a truth, but other people are not necessarily understanding, you know, and so that's, that's where you enter entering into how people think and process and the, the words you're using, the symbols you're, you're using to communicate something to you that seems very clear. And, you know, if it, it can, you, you can sometimes be, um, thinking you're communicating really clearly and the person is, is hearing a totally different story. Yeah, what you're saying, and and so that that's also why I think another thing I would say it's it's important feedback and time is needed because you you have to allow people to give you back what what you said and said did 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 they understand the get and then you've got to work through deeper. I mean, I remember, you know, I've probably shared it on this podcast before, but the guy who had become a Christian and you know 
we were in a Bible study with them. He's like, I gotta, I gotta ask you guys a question. We're like, okay. And we're, and he's like, guess I'm scared to ask it. And we're like, oh, you can ask us anything. Ah, I don't think I can ask this question. You know, we're like, oh man, what's he gonna, what's he gonna ask? He's got this. Must be some really like hot theological or societal issue. And then it ends up finally he gets. He goes, well, what do you think about the jewels the Pope has? You know. <laughs> so what, what, what? At the moment, I'm, I was just floored because I'm like, okay, I don't know how to answer that. I don't know what we're, I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> you know. And That's seminary awesome. didn't seminary didn't prepare yeah. you for that. But what, yeah. what he was internalizing was number one, he didn't want to make us feel uncomfortable because he really appreciated what we were doing. So that was one thing. So he was scared to offend us. Number two, he assumed we were Catholic because we're Christian, right? So the assumption is like, well, you every all cat all Christians right. are Catholic. Right. That's another thing you you've got to figure you've got to you, you go back and over recommunicate what's really going on here. And then third was he had this hung up about the church having a lot of power and wealth and, and which is a fair question. You know, it's a great right. question actually, right. but he, he, he put it in the sense of, um, you know, jewels that the, the Pope apparently where it has jewels. I, and I don't even know if that's true. That's the thing well, that, you know, I'm not sure well, that there are lots of, true. there are lots of jewels in the Pope, let's say armory. I don't know yeah. if that's yeah. the right word, but, yeah. but, but what is, well, what does that really, but what does that right. mean even right. for the Catholic church i don't you know so it's like there's just there's like layer layer of things that i didn't even know yeah how do you unpack could even that? be talked about because i didn't grow up in a 100 percent catholic culture you know right I grew up in a you know a culture that has baptist catholics presbyterians pentecost you know right you know, it was everybody right. and all kind of lumped together out in west texas well so that, that actually highlights that highlights a good point of in order to navigate culture one must ask lots of questions yeah. Can you tell me what you mean by that? Well, what do you think? I'm, you know, not like in a, not like in a, uh, a you know, an inquisition kind of way, but yeah. rather a, I just need to know more. Uh, tell me about that. What do you, well, how would that, why do you think that would be offensive to us? Uh, you know, all the, all those different questions. I think the ability to ask questions. Uh, so one of our guests that's been on here, Michael Medital is one of the most inquisitive people I know. And I have watched him plow not plow through culture but navigate yeah. culture well yeah. by just asking questions and just being curious and then he'll get people thinking about their own culture well why do you do that because i you know he just doesn't understand it so he's just trying to get to the bottom of it and um he has been gosh he gets so many great insights into things and understanding a matter uh, by virtue of just asking questions mm -hmm. um and so i think i think that that's a fantastic way of doing it um one one thing i i think uh this goes back to both language and culture. So a story of a, of a mutual uh, staff member, um, I won't share their name, but they were on staff in Japan. And um, this uh, staff member's wife was going to have all the local pastor's wives uh, over to um, over to over for dinner and uh, no over for coffee and tea and uh, there was, of course, Japan is this really ritual heavy culture. Yeah. And so she had worked really hard to learn the right Japanese in order to, you know, do it and all this, do it properly and offer milk and everything else. And um, so she was going around the, and it was apparently, I don't remember if it was coffee or whatever, but you always take milk in these particular drinks. And, uh, and so she went around the room and she was asking these pastor's wives, okay, would you like milk? And they all would kind of cover their cup and go, no, 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 no. And she couldn't figure it out. And then later after it was all over, uh, realized that she had been using the word for breast milk 
instead of cow yeah. milk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so all these women were just like, no, I don't want breast milk in my coffee. <laughs> no, thank you. Well, so there's a navigation of culture for you. <laughs> my, in my, my seminary class, I remember uh, Mark Young, he was our, my, our missions professor. Mark, he's now president of Denver Seminary, but he, he was a missions guy. And so he had all these connections and people he knew, but he told us about this one woman, a friend of his, she was a missionary, I think somewhere in Papua New Guinea or, you know, some tr- working with tribal people, which just something maybe, you know, eventually talk about a little bit too, is the difference between when, you know, we're kind of entering from Western culture into another kind of Western culture. Sometimes that's, it's not as easy to see sometimes the differences in the culture if, as if you were going, you know, from modern Western culture into like primitive cultures where this is clearly very, everything's very different. But anyway, he, that was a, it was a it was a culture that the men only wore like a gourd around their male uh-huh. part. That was uh-huh. it. That's all they wore. And so she'd been working with this this um, this tribe for for a long time, and they were becoming Christians. And she was helping to get a church going. And but she had become friends with a few of these guys. And I'm not this you know I don't this must be obviously uncomfortable hanging out with guys who are pretty much naked. But she she said she said she actually finally sat down with one guy who she had felt like there was some confidence and she said I really I would like to ask you a question about culture and about things and she goes why do you guys just wear the gourd and that's it and he goes well we can't go around naked (laughs) (laughs) like you know so which also which it shows it shows how how our our culture just so ingrained in who we are and how we how we see things and so that's just normal you know and and for but for for someone coming from the outside, it's totally crazy. And so you know, if you took the guy and put him in, you know, downtown New York, you're like, this is insane. Why would you do any of this stuff? This makes no right, sense. Right. But exactly. so and so we're we're crossing those those frontiers of people's hearts and minds, and that's 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 tricky work. Yep. Well, and I I will I will uh, close with this as we uh, as we close up here um, to use the words close more than and more than one time in one sentence um a afghan friend of mine when i was in central asia once told me that <clears throat> when you learn another language you earn another soul yeah that's and, great. Uh, and it's such a great line and it's true and what he meant by that is learning language is acquiring culture uh yeah. you can't learn a language without under because then a, a people's language uh is connected to their experience and their experience is their culture it is the you know the the feeling of the land um and, and, and the people. So um, acquire culture. It's a hard thing, but it's worthwhile. And the more you do it, the more you will find yourself. Um, I think, I think you become resilient. I think you become God honoring in those yep. ways. Uh, well, brother, I got to go uh, off. It's, you know, it's six o'clock here. It's dinner time. Uh, I just got a message from my wife. Dinner is ready. They're expecting oh, me. Excellent. So uh, you've just finished uh, mid-afternoon snack. I'll I'm need sure. a coffee here and then go, go pick up my daughter from, from taking in splits. Oh, buddy. It's always a pleasure <laughs> signing off from the uh, world headquarters of Rabbit Trails podcast. Uh, Garrick, uh, Buen Camino, my friend. Buen Camino. See you soon.